Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. This is Walkins. Welcome with Bridget Fetessy. I'm Bridget Fetessy, and you are welcome. <laughs> You know the drill. Please subscribe, rate, comment, share, reach out, tell your friends, send smoke signals, whatever. We love your feedback and we want to hear from you. This week we have guest Rachel Wolfson. She is a comedian, writer, and cannabis enthusiast. When Rachel is not performing on stages all over the world, you can find her smoking joints on the YouTube channel The Bud. She has been featured on the cover of Dope and writes for High Times and Playboy. We're on. Rachel is... We have Rachel here. Yes. <laughs> who are you? I'm here. Uh, I'm. I'm here. I'm. Do you want me to tell me who you are? Who I am? Tell me who I am. <laughs> well, <laughs> tell yes. I tell am, us who you are. I'm Rachel Wolfson, and uh, I'm a comedian. I'm a writer. I'm analyzing your analyzing your. <laughs> She's analyzing your vision board. Vision I, board analyst. It's a, I'm doing, <laughs> I have a whole stand up routine about vision boards and how it's uh, such a first world thing. Oh, it's. <laughs> I'm I mean, like. Generation, such a first world ago, white girl thing. Like if our ancestors <laughs> were like, okay, so they paste images on a piece of paper and wish. And it, <laughs> I mean, they did that. I think like back in the in the day, that isn't that weird. Yeah. I they're like, but where does Jesus fit into my this? my friend had one uh, this vision board party, and that's where that one came from. And we, I, I took it partially as a joke, so. As you can see, I have cool it over the earth. I love it. But then right underneath it, there's a picture of a private jet. And I'm like, <laughs> there, there's some mixed messages. There. <laughs> this I'm, is so funny. And then I have Brad Pitt and I, I cut out what looks like a thought bubble of a bunch of women in Costa yes. Rica. And that's Brad Pitt imagining me and my friends on our yoga retreat. And I love he's, it. He's missing me. Well, that's what I was saying. All you're missing <laughs> is an image of women doing goat yoga on the side Damn, this is the like whitest white girl at a starbucks like a, a frappuccino i love it it is a good i like the some of the words just like i did beats i will any day i love it um so it's a good little trigger and i did like the gold digger i yes. thought that was funny that's a great and the of pyramid words. of money Ooh. <laughs> The pyramid of money, yes. Pyramid made of pennies. I love it. At least it's not Bitcoin. <laughs> pyramid of Bitcoin. How do you feel about Bitcoin? I don't understand it. And I, yeah. I'm going to have somebody on to talk about it because I met one of the dudes in town who's he's he's really into it and he seems to understand it. And he had me buy some on the cash app because, you know, on the you know, on Twitter, they have the ca Jack yeah. has the cash app. They have, you can buy Bitcoin also on the Cash App. I bought Bitcoin and I lost all of my money. Like I have like $30 <laughs> left in my account. So I just like to see how it goes up and down. I think I got, I think, I think I got, I don't even think I got a dollar. I think I got like 30, 50 cents. I took worth. all of my money. Um, I think I'm against it. I'm looking at what mine did. Let's see where we're at with my Bitcoin investment. It's like stocks. Uh, I want to invest in cannabis stocks. Yeah, that'd be smart. <laughs> that's the goal. I don't even know how to look at my Bitcoin. That's what my that's Bitcoin what they want investment. you to. <laughs> that's what they, they're like, we'll just confuse them. Yeah, it's so confusing. I don't, oh, here we go. 
Oh, it's gone up. I have $6. That's what's up. Yeah, I've made some money. Hmm. Maybe I just bought the wrong Bitcoin. I mean, I know. I I think I started with, oh no, maybe I didn't make money. Maybe I only started with $10. I think I've lost money. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> put any more money in. Nothing. No, he was like, just put $10 in and see how it does. And I, I was going to put way more and he was no. like, no. I put 160 <laughs> in and I have $30 left. <laughs> And last week I was like, wow, I could really use that $160 right now. Thanks, Bitcoin. Yeah. Bin Laden. It does seem weird. Yeah. I don't understand it fully. And I don't. I think it was like originally started to like launder money. What was the, what's the other thing that's, uh, it's the. Uh, Litecoin. Crypto. Or cryptocurrency. Or the, the. Oh, blockchain. That's what mm. I'm trying to get my mind around yeah. currently. Yeah. I'm like, what so the hell? Confused. It's so, it seems like. We're all just going to become networks. Yeah. Like little individual. We kind of, that's how I view my Instagram. I'm like, that's what social media is. We're all our own television channel. We're all our own stations of content. content. Yeah. But I think now they're going to actually use us individually as processing power. So I, I don't understand. I'm totally probably How about the people that this. are getting um Like I could say chips. anything and it would be like, I think it's like a <laughs> magic alien. It's and probably true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, have you heard about the people who are getting the microchips inserted? In yeah, them they're to nuts. Like, to like, that's how they get into work. Yeah, and yeah. like they can pay. I'm like, no, that's insane. No. Who can, you can hack into, you I won't hack even, into your microchip. One of the, um, you know, the, 23andMe and all those places. Yeah. One of those places was is, was offering, you know, we got my, uh, they offered to sponsor the podcast. And I was like, no. <laughs> because they're like, just send in and we'll do it free. And I'm like, no, that's like the easiest way to get everyone's DNA. I'm not. Everyone has I'm, a podcast. I'm not sending. <laughs> I literally don't. I'm like, if I, if I, if I, am, when I want to find out whatever the fuck I am, I will, mm. I will find out. But like, I, I I'm so just um, also I think they just make that shit up half the time oh my god I my friend showed me one she's like look at these pictures of these nuns from my past I, you I could write an entire book about these nuns the picture but I'm like how do you know that that's yours like how do you know they don't just don't have old-timey pictures that they're like here you they go send, they send you pictures you can yeah some of them will send you um, pictures of no. Your- what they did is they found some. <laughs> They're like going to person, antique roadshows yes, and getting and collecting those old time pictures. They have them at the uh, flea market on Fairfax, <laughs> yeah, in Santa Monica, yeah, <laughs> or or whatever. And you can go and pick up buckets of other people's photos of other people's families from the 1700s. It would be the best grift ever, really, if you could if you could somehow combine. I would not be surprised. Have you oh, seen yeah. Netflix's Dirty Money? No. And it's just like all about giant schemes that have occurred in like different industries across the countries and whatnot. And like how people like there's this uh quick payday loan scheme. Oh, this yeah, guy yeah, yeah. Who used to uh, race race cars and he was just like ripping off people in like the middle of the country. You know, there's so many scams. Yeah. I'm like, that could be that's what if this is not one of those scams? You and know old I mean? people get scammed all the time, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Although. I don't know that it's actually a scam in terms of I think they are doing the the yeah. the DNA because that's how they're catching inadvertently all of these criminals. Oh, you're right. So I think that that part is. Yeah, true. they can't like. But in terms not. of like the pictures, 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't buy it. In the it. future, they're going to be sending like our Facebook pictures to oh, like God. future generations. I want off. I want out of all of it. I want a DNR. Here's your great grandmother in a bikini on in yeah. Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Here's oh, like 7,000 selfies of your great grandmother. Here's your grandfather <laughs> in a adult club yeah <laughs> entertainment venue when they used to have clubs before you this is when you had to leave your house yeah now you just virtual, virtual yeah reality it around comes to you that's the other trippy thing but that for me would be ideal for comedy I virtual like, reality oh yeah you mean like performing like i don't have to leave my house <laughs> that's yeah. the only thing that stops me if there were virtual reality open mics and and shows oh, i would just A virtual reality mic totally i blast out yeah yeah if i could just do my stand-up from the comfort of my own home (laughs) with the the response of an audience i would always have a joint on stage oh not the cookies hope is hope came for the cookie hope hope is in every podcast being annoying she's a huge star she's a bigger star than any of us will ever be hope. hope get out of here um so so tell us where you are in your life. This show is a, is about resilience and perseverance. And I like to hear people's stories of how they ended up in wherever they are on the path at this moment. Did you expect to be here? Mm. Well, did you always want to be a comic? I mean, I think deep down, I always wanted to be a performer of right. some sort because I was always a creative kid mm-hmm. and I think there was a moment in my life where I just wanted to I don't know I tried many times in like my 20s and even in college to like get into like acting and performing and it just I was kind of just discouraged by the people closest around me so I just I did what others expected of me to do like what you know my parents and family and you went to want, college went to college mm-hmm. um, I went to college I never stop. <laughs> I have like three degrees. I made that joke the other day. I have oh, three really? degrees that are like, I feel like are worth over a million dollars. I'm willing <laughs> to sell them to the highest bidder. Like, can I sell like, these on the Yeah, the, I was the like, dark. I don't. Well, that's the thing about, I, I walked around my old campus. I went to Florida last week and I visited the school that I, one of the schools I graduated from. And I found out it's like $70,000 a year to go there, which I was like, this is a crime. And I was walking around campus as in South Florida, a very affluent, you know, part of the country or whatnot. And I went up to these kids. I'm like, is it true that it's $70,000 oh, to yeah. go here now? And they were like, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm like, of course you don't know. <laughs> You're not you paying know. for this, you know? Yeah. But I just, I, I feel guilty in a sense to see all of these kids that are just spending all of this money on education, which not to say that that's not important. Education is very much important, but you can learn a right. lot of that on the internet or through work yeah. or learning a skill or, yeah. you know, and they don't put so much emphasis on that. Cause like there's that really great show on uh, Netflix, uh, killer Mike's triggered. Oh, and he yeah. goes into, <laughs> he goes into a school, a middle school and tells these kids who are like, I want to be an astronaut. I want yeah. he's like, listen, kid, you're not going to be, <laughs> president of the united states right now i'm going to tell you right now you're not like you should learn how to hvac or whatever like get a skill and i thought that was so real because when i was in college and even when i was in high school it was such like a a sheltered environment where they they were very much the 
pursue your you know right 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 if you work hard your dreams will come true what were your degrees in i mean i uh got a uh master's in communications and marketing Uh um so i studied marketing and i studied uh, new media so i started the form oh. like like social media and yeah tried to understand like from a theory like how it affects yeah you know like i studied all different aspects theory i, I studied radio i mean i studied every aspect of communication that i could like mm-hmm. you know communications journalism mm-hmm. broadcast you know whatever it is and um and then i i was working in college at a restaurant which is truthfully where uh a lot of my good work has come from right. working at restaurants. I mean, that's how I got my career in marketing started was I worked for a restaurant. I was a hostess and the owner saw that I would come in every day back like 10 years ago or whatever. And I would check in on Facebook and put out funny statuses to get my friends to come in and, you know, eat at the restaurant, right. and go to the bar. He was like, oh, you know, come work for me in my office and market organic pe- pe- pizza. Yeah, my- yeah. And that was like perfect for a stoner chick. Yeah, you know? yeah. So that really launched my career. It wasn't me graduating from college because actually right. when I got my bachelor's my mom came to Florida marched me into the dean of communications office and I was like okay uh you know she graduated from school um what now like <laughs> which is kind of so entitled but yeah. also like my mom came from that generation where that when they got out of college there were jobs oh yeah yeah my dad and too. so I think at around this time, it was very hard for me because I felt like such an asshole. Like I did everything you asked me to do and I don't have this sustainable job waiting for me. Right. Like, and um, this is around the time when they were like internships were hot, which is slavery for the young generation. Yeah. You should never work for free. No. It doesn't matter. If, and don't exchange college credit because you're not, who knows if you're going to go into it. You should get paid. Yeah. Like, and, it's, and internships are only for like wealthy people because you can't afford to work for free. Like you got to have yeah, a support can. system and that literally disqualifies so many like an entire like demographic of people who yeah. can't afford to get internships. Right, right, So it's right. like, you know, and I think it was around this time. My and, mom, and it's all like nepotism. Totally. It's not even what you know. You, you're even if you have all of the experience in the world. There's still going to be someone in that office who's going to probably who's going to be up for the job. It's probably someone's kid, right. cousin, or whatever. Right. So the best advice you could do is um, get to know those people. You know, yeah. make yours. If you don't have those connections, make them on your own. Yeah, because that's all. A lot of it is is connections. Yeah, you know, and um, and so I think that it was around this time that like my parents' generation was starting to realize, oh shit, <laughs> like it's a different world. It is. And I, um, I, that's why I dropped out of college. I told my dad, I'm like, my, I was going to get a communications degree. I'm like, my degree is going to be worthless and I'm going to be in debt forever. And I don't want to do this. You could have all the degrees in the world. It does not matter. It doesn't. And, and it's, and my friends, when they got out of college were useless. I had already been living alone since like living on my own. They didn't know how to do anything. They didn't know how to put an apartment together. They didn't know how to get an apartment. They didn't know how to register their car. I mean, these are 22 year olds. When you go to college, you're paying for essentially a social life. A four year break. So, (laughs) I mean, but like, that's how it's marked. It's marketed to us. You're paying for an Adderall It's almost like, it's almost like the wedding, (laughs) the, the wedding rings and engagement rings, like in diamonds and things like that. I mean, like we love diamonds, but it's, you know, you don't need that to represent that you're in a, a successful marriage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that, we're going to see a lot of unemployed people. And that's the other thing is we're my, you know, I graduated from high school in 2005. I graduated with my, all of my degrees, I think 2011. So I, you know, whatever I was now competing as I'm getting older, I'm competing not only with the generation above me who can't afford to retire. 
I'm competing now with the generation oh, yeah. after me. Yeah. So how do I stand? And here up? comes Gen Z. And then the generation yeah. after them. <laughs> Gen Z so is like, on the way. What? Now robots are going to be taking a lot of our jobs, mm -hmm. you know, even like even in forms of entertainment, like sex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're not going to need people. Yeah. You know, you're not going to, you know, you may not even the, need real actors. Even just like day. the the blow to the gig economy that it in terms of what once these self-driving cars are, oh, yeah. you know, just not having that. I, I'm pretty sure everyone in L.A. Ubers. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you have to 80 percent of the people who I wouldn't here. mind if it was a robot or a self because I just I don't care to talk to anyone <laughs> like yeah. I would pay extra if you just shut the fuck up and drive me to my location the only way those things are going to work is that if everybody has if all the cars are self-driving I mean honestly in the future it it is going to eventually happen and we will just have to accept that we relied on human <laughs> we, were, we we drive around killing machines yeah I know? know like I know at, at, at very fast pay, you know it's 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 like, I can't believe we s smoked on airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought this was a good idea. <laughs> like we're giving six. Now that I think about it, they, we let 16 year olds drive. Oh, I know. Like my parents didn't let me drive until I was 17. And thank God. Because, oh yeah. I was driving at 16, but I'm the oldest of five. So it was like, I go mean, get honestly, milk. there's some people I totally yeah. I get it. But like, I, I, if they're anything like, you know, me or the future generation, I don't want them on the road. You guys are on drugs. Everybody in LA is on drugs. I why are we letting I know, I everyone? And even in Florida, that's the the scary part too. Oh, Florida is Florida is horrible because yeah. you have people on like heavy medication yeah. operating and machinery. or like cocaine at six a.m. Horrible. Yeah. So that I'm was always the scariest it. time for me was like the early morning drives in Miami. I'm like, I'm gonna die. No, it's scary. Miami is probably one of the scariest places to drive aside from LA. I think. It is funny too. I was joking about this. My new car has um it has like one of those smart windshields. Oh. And so it tells you, which I love, the blind sight, you oh, know, nice. like the little when you have someone in your Yeah, yeah. And then it has um it beeps when the car in front of you moves. And I'm like, we only need this because we're on our phones. Right. This is something that they installed in car. Like, that's a problem. Why the hell aren't you looking yep. at the road yeah. so that you know of a car in front of you? Like, I get a side or behind you when you're backing up. Yeah. But the, my car, it'll be like, beep, beep. I mean, I like that they made it illegal that you can't be on your phone and driving here because it's just a nightmare it it's out there. It doesn't matter, though. Everybody's on their phone. Yeah. It, it, it's like, it's such a severe. It's terrible. Art was here. The um, I guess it'll be like two weeks, two weeks ago. By the time this goes up, and he was joking about how he's like, I'll be on like the 405. You know, like I've got to tweet this right now. You know, like doing like I totally can hour. relate to that. That's why they should have a thing in your car where it's like t it'll go to your notes and like write you a note or something. Yeah, like, write a note. I mean, it's bad. Well, my mom's car, it'll type a text. It'll it will type out and send texts based off voice command, which is smart. Yeah, you know? I I it's still just clearly an addiction. But we're giving so much power to machinery. And oh, they're coming for us. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's my genuine. I can't. Genuine I hope I live long enough to see the first sex robot kill a human. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I want to. I hope I live long enough to see to know that aliens are exist real 
and or at least reveal them to the ones who reveal are yourself yeah show aliens. us <laughs> all right we've had enough <laughs> you and i this place is, you guys are fucking crazy back to the moon like <laughs> it's like that independence say the girl who's on top of la like welcome yeah. <laughs> you and i hello aliens yes welcome because <laughs> they literally us. we'll pay extra for a ride out of here yeah um <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that and honestly, like, but that's what Elon Musk warned us about. He's literally one of the smartest people in our in the world right now telling us, hey, uh, forget about all that shit that you're worried about interpersonal human problems. There's going to be alien er, alien uh, robots that decide that we are not useful to them. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. What computers do everything that is efficient. And how long is it going to be before they realize that the most inefficient things in the entire world are are humans? Yeah. Like we make no sense at all. None. None. They don't need us. No. They won't need us. And uh, that was another. I'm ready to join. Like if they're looking, (laughs) I will volunteer as tribute. I love just how wrong the Jetsons was. Mm. I'm like, we're Okay. We're, why did they think that we would have a we would robot robots slave? A slave? Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be like a human pet monkey. <sighs> yeah, they had it all wrong. They but that just... Jetsons Flintstones crossover was pretty lit. It was pretty lit. I'm sorry that. to your listeners if I said lit, but it's all right. They're, my listeners are used to a whole lot of shenanigans <laughs> on this podcast. Oh man, yeah. That um. So it, I mean, it's the world is changing at such a rapid rate. I feel like maybe I just wasn't so aware of it or because of the internet, it just exacerbates how rapid it seems. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's weird because it feels now, now that I'm sober, it feels like all the stuff I used to talk about when I was stoned and I'd be like, you know what, man, someday we're going to be able to like, and I was reading all the like science news. I read it all the time. And I'm like, we are living in my high school stoner fever dreams you know like i mean it's it's an interesting time because i don't know i just feel like even in the past couple years like information wasn't being received at this rapid i don't think we can process it i I don't i'm i think we can process it but i don't know that we can turn knowledge into wisdom that quickly and that's why everything the news cycles so fast and nobody learns anything and it's uh, every every day feels like you're 100 right because Back in the day when we had issues in, in our country and our world, at least I think in America, think of long sh- we w- shit that's talk. what I'm saying. We would we would have an issue and then we would take time to process whatever this issue was and then we would respond. And now because of social media, there's just massive response and reaction and no time in between that it takes to kind of like think about what's happening around you. Yeah. And that's why this outrage culture is just... I mean, we're not going to survive our age cultures. None of us. I wonder though, there's going to be a bubble where it's going to have to burst and it's just where it's going to have to go. I feel we're, like we're almost there in some respects. What I've been noticing and I'm writing about this is and is has the So I read this whole article about how outrage has essentially lost its function. Outrage used to inspire action. That's why right, we like have mothers it. against drunk driving and like things like but that. Just the actual feeling of outrage because we're not acting on that right. feeling. It's changing our brain and the way that we well, actually desensitized to it. 
Right. It used to be a feeling that we would have as humans to inspire action. Right. I'm outraged. I'm going to act on that. Right. Now we're outraged. We sit on the couch. We tweet expend about it. it yeah. in a tweet. And then we go back to watching the Firefest yeah. documentary, you know, <laughs> and it was amazing. So it's changing our brains. Yeah. And it's interesting because I wonder, too, with the mobs, everybody getting mobbed and living in fear. And we've been kind of living under mob law now for like six years, I would say. That's like Justine Sacco was 2013, the girl who made the age joke and then had her life ruined. What happened? So Justine Sacco. Was she a comedian? No, she was uh, just a PR marketer. And she made some joke about she was she's in the airport waiting and she said, oh, I'm going to. I'm going to go to, I'm on my way to Africa. Hope I don't get AIDS. Just kidding. (laughs) I won't get AIDS because I'm white. Yeah. (laughs) This is 2013, right? Oh, man. She's PR. She shouldn't have been making jokes like that, whatever. But somebody picked it up. She was on the plane and it was like, has Justine Sacco landed yet? That was what happened. But the mob took this girl. By the time she landed in South Africa, her life was ruined. She had no job. I mean, it was nuts the, i mean the she book should I'm, get into comedy if that's book, what she's gonna tweet yeah you know the book i'm right reading right now is the um it's i've been reading it for this piece and it's uh so you've been publicly shamed and he he interviews her and talks to her about it and how she you know when she landed and what what that was like and how somebody her friend who was there came and got her and there there people were waiting to take her picture they had figured out which flight she was on it was, I mean, it, they ruined, she was a nobody. They ruined this poor girl. And since then, we've seen a lot of that mob. I see it all the time. I get mobbed all the time. And I wonder, though, is the mob losing its power? It's weird that corporate. Do you think these are real people? They are real people. Yeah. yeah. I think people get, a, it, so I've been thinking a lot about how the, they organize yeah. so quickly. Well, and it's that's, like, are they in chat the rooms? Is it text group? No, to, you know, are it's, they- it's just like, it's like anything. You've seen it on Twitter when like something's yeah. trending and suddenly you're caught up in it. Yeah. And you're like, what? And I spoke about this before on the podcast, just how I, f- I was in a, I understand the, mo- you basically, they've done enough su- studies around it that humans lose their ability to be individuals in a mob environment when the mob starts getting riled up. And it seems to be true online and even more true because you don't have any accountability and you're not looking at people face to face. So you're also hidden by anonymity. And I mean, it was just like back in the day, if you disagreed with someone, you disagreed with them. Yeah, but we out basically outlawed mobs in the 1800s in America. So we in this book, he goes back to the pure because the Puritans were all about public shaming and so they and they got rid of them because they found that they were too cruel essentially and we're now living in an era where public shamings by not by you know like law by just the court of public opinion decides that you're bad based on a a clip that might be completely out of context is normal that's a totally normal thing i mean this is the world that we live in now. <laughs> yeah. And to be an individual and to have your own voice is almost um, rare, right? Because mm-hmm. it almost seems like 
you have to fit in somewhere. People like are more comfortable with placing people into boxes, right? It yeah. makes more sense for them to cognitively understand. Well, we're inherently tribal beings. Right. You want to know whether that's just genetic. Like, are you an enemy or, or a friend? And if we're going to exist in this world, which is already happening, and if if you're going to be a public figure, some of you, a part of you has to kind of accept that you know that you're putting yourself at risk for something like that yeah yeah yeah. and if those are your morals and your values or whatever you stand by regardless you know you gotta just ride the wave you know yeah. but people for i didn't know who she was you know what i mean and based off the girl you were talking oh about, justine and you know what after time passes people will no i think about, she has another job she's now. gonna she's revive back in marketing exactly. or something and you gotta be resilient and that's Which the thing is, is you gotta you gotta know that you're gonna piss off people no matter yeah. what you do. In I this wonder, world. but it's different when you know that's easy for us to say sitting here with no children and nothing right. to lose, and it's not a matter of I've built my life around being able to be free, and I don't have anything to lose. But it, it's not so easy for people who have <laughs> livelihoods and mouths to feed. Well, of course, I mean that's the thing is. Like, for example, my parents, they're public figures. So a mm. lot of times, well, there have been certain things that I've done that they've, <laughs> <laughs> my actions have, they've publicly shamed Yeah. Them. You've or publicly they, shamed them. I've been publicly ashamed them. I've been publicly, I have ashamed them publicly. Yeah. Basically. Um, <laughs> it's like the reverse. I know. And, and, but, and as, and I've gotten such a small taste of what, of what she had gone through or anyone who has you know gone through something on such a massive level and it really can you know it's i think that's why we're gonna start to see a lot of people suffer mentally oh yeah as time goes on mental health is got to be a priority mm-hmm. of a discussion mm-hmm. um in all facets at work at school just mm-hmm. like sexual assault just like everything else mm-hmm. we need to have these discussions especially as it comes pertains to social media mm-hmm. and how people use it to weaponize yeah and, and, and rally and 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 have a real understanding just like drugs and yeah. alcohol this technology alters your brain yeah oh, and yeah. It, it, it will uh, you can become addicted to oh it. yeah and we're not having these conversations it's like watching a close loved one become addicted to something and you're just standing helpless and Mm -hmm. um but just like almost everything in our culture we're slow to the game like it's almost we don't do something until it's too late until it's we're like it's you know it's like having being in an an abusive or toxic you know situation where until something tragic happens you can't get them to pay attention to you you know And, and that's that's what it is in our country again but also we don't there's a taboo behind talking about mental health, which is weird to me because we all have mental health. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you struggle with it or not. At some point, um, you're going to struggle with something. Yeah. So, uh, and this is affecting us and that mob, and that mob. I mean, I can't imagine being in public and having just a hundred people yell at what a terrible person you are. Like I would make anyone want to kill themselves. And even like, reading some of the comments on the videos of like stand up, especially. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's on both sides, men, women. It doesn't matter no. what you are, who you are. It's no one likes to read nasty things about them in like 
mass in like mass levels, yeah. you know, and that's unhealthy. It doesn't matter if you internalize it or not to read those negative words. Yeah. And to, it's just the same how like, you know, the news cycle, the 24 hour news cycle, how that affects yeah. us and seeing, you know, negative stories and things like that. It's, it's, it's changing so, the way we think it is. And it's, and the way we interact. So you were doing marketing and then how'd you end up out here? Um, I ended up out here because I was living on the East Coast for like almost 10 years. I finished up school out there. My family lives in Vegas and I had always wanted to live in California. My dad's born and raised in the Valley. And um, it's always been a place that I just envisioned living and working in the entertainment industry. So I moved out here six years ago from Florida where I finished up school um, to be closer to my family and just start working in the entertainment industry. I didn't have a a, a plan or uh-huh. a goal or uh-huh. I mean, I, I had a goal, but I didn't have like I didn't I just showed up. Yeah. You know? And um, I As started working do in L.A. Yeah. And I just, <laughs> you know, I just figured it out. I know, ne- you know, and it's it's not an easy si- it's a city where within a year you'll see people who are like, I'm moving to L.A. too. And then six months later, they're back to wherever they came yeah. from. And it's like, I would love to know the revolving door on this town. Yeah, I would just love to know how many people move here and how many people leave and what the turnover I mean, rate is. It's such a marketed idea. This whole Hollywood dream. It's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. It's not for the weak minded. You have to, um, you know, expect to fail a lot, a lot <laughs> and get rejected. Yeah. And what were you, how did you end up in kind of the weed world? Well, so explain to us where, where you are in that. Yeah. Your relationship to it. Cause that's um, like your online thing, isn't right. it? Right. It's my brand. Your uh, brand. As the millennials say, um, Ugh, so I know. Gross that we're all <laughs> I make fun. Here's the thing. I fucking hate the term influencer as a millennial. I'm here to reject that term. I don't embrace it. You're don't like, call I yourself. do not identify. I don't. As an I, hate, I don't. It's not. It's just like it to me. It's like, it's just. It I don't know. Strikes it's strikes me as a I don't know. There's there is something weird about the term. It. I've always not thought leader influencer. Like if you have to call it yourself, yeah. It's just I don't know. I think I'm a thought leader, but T H O T. Yeah, thought <laughs> work leader. I mean, I just I don't know. I think that there I've seen on the online that people aspire to be an influencer. Now. Yeah, like, yeah, get yeah. a job, like learn a skill. <laughs> you know, like. This is not where do you end up too if you're an influencer? I mean, shit, like uh, detox tea sponsorship. Yeah, but I mean, where do that's not gonna that might it's not a sustainable, it's not a career. Yeah, it's not a career. You've got to be hot, which you're not gonna be forever. No, and it's just it's such a first world. It's weird. It's a weird, it's a thing. And I mean, so, okay, so in the cannabis space, by I'm first a comedian, but I'm an advocate. Right. On a real level. Um, But I've been dubbed an influencer in the cannabis industry, in the weed industry. And I ended up there uh, just by smoking weed. I've I've always, you know, since I left my parents' house um, to go off to school, I started dabbling in cannabis. Mm -hmm. Um, I suffered for, I suffer, I live, I don't like to say suffer, I live with depression um, and anxiety. So this was my link in terms of where I was saying the intersection between where you are now and mental health. And I think marijuana is a really interesting conversation to have around mental health. It's very personal for me because I am very much an advocate for cannabis um, and what it represents and what it has done for people medically. But I also want to honor that it's not for everyone. I don't recommend it 
you know, to just everyone. I know I joke a lot about things and because that's part of the culture and the lifestyle when you're a stoner and when you smoke weed, you can't envision how people don't. But on a very massive level and a real level, you know, it it isn't for everyone. Yeah. You have to honor that. And that's okay too. Yeah. And, um, and especially when it comes to mental health, um, it's a, it's a slippery, it's not a slippery slope, but it's a, it's, um, I mean, they've done a lot a of studies that show subject yeah. that it could go either way. And I very much think that um, some of those studies are obviously real. And, yeah. you know, people very much do I've not seen have in teen boys ha- healthy relationships with it. And it, you know, the schizophrenia onset and things like that. And Psychosis. I do, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I do think that, you know, just like we're some of us are allergic to medicine. Yeah. Are some of us should not eat meat. Some of us should eat meat. Yeah. Everyone is different. And I think that it's not healthy to push this mentality that everyone should smoke weed it should be everyone should yes have access to it yeah you know but it's not for everyone right i mean i have a really interesting relationship with it because i love the plant i've been i've worked around the plant a lot i know the industry very well and i was a huge stoner for 20 years and then i quit smoking weed and now i'm I've been helping a lot of people quit weed because it's not the addiction is so insidious and getting off of it is so hard for some people. And it is now with it being legal and everywhere. And I feel like the world is acting like I did when I was 12 and I and I first started smoking weed. It feels like the world is like, look how awesome weed is. And And I definitely play a part to that. I'm very, you know, I'm very much I'm very much like glamorizing it. Yes, I'm very much a part of that. Um, culture but i i feel like when i started doing it it was not every not everyone was doing it no, and no. it was more in a sense of you need to see that there it's okay to smoke weed i went and you through shouldn't this be ashamed yeah and i i told my dad years ago i was like you're gonna live to see weed get legalized and he never in a million years thought that was true but i think that it, i don't think it should be illegal and i do think it should be decriminalized it's so mild it is it is on the other hand people should have the same access to education about the dangers of it yes. that they do with alcohol. And I don't feel like that conversation really happens. It doesn't. And for me, it created this like ceiling of smoke that it made me delusional. It made me an, an, unable to see, evaluate myself honestly. And it took away the ability for me to have a baseline about my emotions. Like when I tried not to smoke for a day, I was a, na- a maniac. I, I, c- I was outraged. It's true. And a horrible person. And I'm like, this is what's underneath weed. I have a fucking problem. This is an addiction. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. There are a lot of people like I, um, I smoke weed a lot. Like there are yeah. days sometimes I'm smoking weed all day, every day. Yeah. And I also recognize I'm like, okay, um, this is not, if this were another substance, this would be a problem. Yeah. And so it is very much when you're smoking weed, at least as someone who's in this industry and, you know, where, at least with my mental health, I'm like, you have to approach it as a medicine first. You have to remember that this is a medicine and that's what it is intended for. Right. So at a certain point, we're abusing it. Right. Right. And I mean... It's kind of like I never what alcohol. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like when it's I, not I, like I, alcohol because I alcohol in no sense, weed. right? Alcohol in no sense is no is not a medical thing. But in Miami, it, it, it's acceptable, and in London, it's acceptable to be drunk all the time because it's a part of the culture. It's a culture that has been created, right? right. So, but you see, in like you know, over in Europe, 
they're having massive amounts of people who are, are alcoholics and there's a lot of mental health problems and things that are happening because there's this culture of it's okay to be drunk all the time. Right. So that's going to happen. We're going to see, you know, years down the road that there's going to have to be a conversation about marijuana quote abuse. Well, we, it's interesting because it's, it's the side effects just aren't, I always used to joke. It's not that anything will happen. It's just that nothing will happen. So you're not going to crash your car. You're not going to, you're, you're not going to get arrested for public intoxication. You're just not going to get off your couch. Well, that's the thing is like, you have to, if you're going to consume cannabis for whatever reason it is, if you're going to smoke weed, you got to have a healthy relationship with it in Mm -hmm. order for it to do what is intended to do. And that's heal you from the inside out. Mm -hmm. Anything beyond that, you're hurting yourself. And you have to look at it. Okay. If I were drinking this much, I would be an alcoholic. Right. And there are people who are functioning alcoholics, functioning meth heads, functioning whatever. And you may not even know it because they don't look like what you see on TV. But at a certain point in their lives, they'll hit a right a place where they have a breakdown and you're like, I never knew Tim was and it's like I well, was functioning. I'm and I always say this. I say I was functioning until I stopped and then I realized how low functioning I was. Well, I definitely have to honor that I do. I abuse weed. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. I, I, like, and I, honor I do. And I think that's my own journey of because I was on so many pharmaceuticals as right, a kid. Right. And I'm oftentimes people meet me and they're like, I thought I was a stoner until I met you. And it very much highlights like my how much I not rely because I don't rely I can yeah. go without it. I choose not to. Yeah. <laughs> but the amount of consumption that I'm doing is is a lot well and and that sorry that is that is the interesting point that you make about pharmaceuticals and i've seen a lot of people have really complicated relationships with pharmaceuticals and then i see a lot of kids and they're on adderall and they're putting kids on adderall i mean i was 13 year i was one of the kids i'm part of the medication generation i started taking adderall and ritalin when i was five years old yeah very much a part of that um and I, my therapist and I used to have this conversation when I got sober. I was like suicidally depressed. And I think it's because I had never gone without weed since I was like 13. And I was so depressed. And I was like, oh, maybe I had depression and weed was my Prozac. Yeah. I, I always used to say, because I was a motivated stoner, it was my Ritalin and it was my Prozac. And we just kept going. I'm like, I'm just going to... And we got to the point where I said, is this one... Do I go on meds? Like, do I need antidepressants? And I said, because honestly, if it comes down to me needing antidepressants, I'm going to start smoking weed again. Yeah, for sure. Because I would rather it it feels more. I mean, there's that's the other thing that like I when you when people are in recovery and trying to get sober, it's hard for me to see people who are doing that come off alcohol and drugs and go on pharmaceuticals. Yeah, because again, that's just treating the symptoms and not really like what is where is this coming from? Like and pharmaceuticals have their place. They do a thousand percent. And I do think that I'm not anti yes. And I do. Meds. I'm, I'm not anti meds either. I'm very much my view on things is find what works for you. Right. And learn what works for you. And that's a lot of trial and error. And I, I after for being on pharmaceuticals from age five till I was 24 when I became wow. pharmaceutical. Why free, did they put you on something at five? This is um, what is crazy. Is the to pharmaceutical me. industry is is very effective on our parents, on my parents' know, generation, of convincing them that if your kid is somewhat quirky, they have 
mental problems. I know. And that is why we all have mental problems now is because they've manifested itself to watch a young, like if I would watch what happened to me and I'm not like, what was me? What happened to me? But my experience with the pharmaceutical industry was not a positive one. I'm very much a victim of, yeah. And I've come out of it in, in way better than a lot of other people. And I think you're, you're moving into the marijuana industry is no accident. It's you not, know that. it's not, it's very much, this is obviously why this happened. Right. And, mm-hmm. I, but I, I also have friends that struggle with mental health and do very much need medication. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, but I also think that you got to work on yourself. Yeah, exactly. And you got to be committed and it's a full-time job to be yeah. committed to yourself. And there's, it's, it's, I don't want to say medication is the easy way out because it's not easy to go on medication. No, it's no. It's very much as, as a young kid, I went through a lot of judgment within myself that I was a crazy person and that I was going to have to be a slave to these medications. And that if I didn't get a good job, I was going to end up on the street from going crazy because mm-hmm. if I didn't have access to these medications uh-huh. and I just never, I was like, this is not me. I'm not a, I'm not a crazy person. Yeah. I, mean, I don't even like that term, but I'm not, I don't need this. Yeah. Um, but to see kids, now even be forced against their will when their brains haven't even been developed. I mean, there's, it's a problem and that's, we're going to continue to have mental health is going to be a huge problem in our country as time goes on bigger than anything else. What's so messed up too, is that I look back and see that your generation, uh, you're like eight, you're young, maybe a decade younger than me. Seven. Okay, so yeah, like nine years younger, about a decade younger. And I, I, instead of, it's such a critical point. I feel like we're going to look back and say, all these kids that we put on meds, what we really needed to do was change our education system. A thousand percent. So instead of all of these restless kids who are bored and ch- looking at education and how the state of the world was changing with technology and maybe we need to change our curriculum and maybe we've, you know, teaching the teaching kids and and only the right or the the left brain um reading and writing and arithmetic and just this very critical and not integrating more of the right brain processes and interpersonal skills. And yeah. Like that. And, and emotional intelligence, yeah, emotional regulation. That's the problem is I a hundred percent think that it starts with our education system and that is continuing to fail our country. And that's why we're falling behind other countries and it's, we're not going to fix it until it's not too late, but until it's like, okay, we're not, preparing future generations for the world that we live in today <laughs> i mean if i was preparing future generations i would be homesteading and that's the other thing is, is like <laughs> it's not up to the te- it can't, it's not uh, maybe let's go learn how to be preppers the, it's not up to necessarily the government or the teachers it starts at home too but you need help with the with the education system to guide oh the you know, whole thing needs overhauling and, and it should be online and it should be accessible to everybody it should you then you won't have these problems where kids in inner cities you know how you have the geographical where it's like oh kids in inner cities they absolutely do start with behind the eight ball they're yeah. not, they're they're obviously at a disadvantage because there's so many unruly kids and there's so many kids who have shit going on at home and and then you have these suburban, you know, mostly white schools that are great. I mean, they're practically as good as the best colleges. Not even that. There are some of those schools, but a lot of them just take the money. 
yeah and aren't preparing the kids yeah because there are a lot of wealthy kids who don't have a fucking clue. oh yeah 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 and if you're it's and a there shame are plenty that you're of white kids spend, who are getting a horrible education exactly too. and and if you're gonna spend that kind of money i i mean like my parents paid for me to go to some private schools that i'm like okay this was a waste of fucking money you yeah. should have just sent me to public school yeah. like i was I, getting piled on by um a bunch of the blue checked white liberals mm-hmm. and um, called favorites. racist and all this stuff. And they're like, blah, 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 maybe you should talk to like people in these communities, which I do plenty of. And I was laughing because I'm like, all the, I know some of these people personally. I'm like, all these fucking people, their kids go to private schools. None of their kids see the inside of a freaking inner city school. Oh, like, no. They're the biggest hypocrites. It's like they'll be online calling everyone racist and sending their kids to private schools. I'm like you guys are insane people. It's also, it's. I mean, the, I mean, yeah. I guess someone who went to private school, it is very much you know one demographic. Yeah, and you know, and that's sad. But we should all have access to quality education. And how for hard free. is that? And like at it, least, you know, beginning elementary, middle school, uh, that stuff shouldn't be expensive. And even, I can take a master class from like, you know, I can learn stuff online as an adult. It's easy to it's easy. It's, e- it's that's the other thing is like the reaction, you know, the outrage culture and the in the in the instant reaction, people forget that your experience is only your experience and you don't speak for other people. Right. And you can't blame people for their experience you can only understand and try to understand where people are coming from we're on this fucking earth together and like that's that's the thing about politics that i just i i hate the state of politics yeah it's bad it's hard because i don't it i am registered democrat full disclosure but it's hard for me to say that i'm a democrat because i'm not proud of what my party represents and some of the things that happen Mm. and and just like the state of the democratic party and then i'm like i'm not comfortable calling myself a liberal because then there's that whole other i am who i am and i have my individual beliefs and i can make a decision not based off what a group of people who are telling me yeah you know who make way more money i mean (laughs) yeah like how the, the real problem is there's 62 people in the world who have most of the world's wealth. I mean, like, that's what we should all be like. Why is this? That's, coming. you know, <laughs> I'm like and, the, the class and the, the thing, class wars are. And the thing us. is, is like we put so much effort now into labels, but we're not going to survive a world where you can't just be an individual. Right. That's my that's my and that's big. where the medication comes in. We want to make. We want to get rid of emotion. We want people to fall in line and and just be sedated and sheep. You know, yeah. like I, what I, you know. But don't you think in some ways weed has the same effect of like numbing a lot of that stuff? Doesn't I th- it yeah. Numb I mean, people. Yeah, I think. I think it's not the same submission. I think it affects people differently, right? And I think that and different strains. And different, yes. Yeah. And I think that. It's all about the individual. Right. And that's why it's so dangerous to say those weed is amazing for it's right. it's dangerous to to you know fall into that culture of, you know, if you hate weed then you know like it's kind of you like you must be a bad person, but it's it's really just you got to find what works for you. Right. 
a holistic approach. And if you're going to use to weed, if you're going to if you're going to abuse weed, there are consequences to that. Mm-hmm. Whether I mean, it plays not out the now, <laughs> right? Whether that's you know, <laughs> but it's, if you're going to abuse anything, abuse weed. <laughs> but I think the thing is, is we won't start to see the harmful long term effects if there are any until over time where we have like a range of okay how do we gauge this because just like anything else i mean there's some people who are going to be potheads their whole life and be successful what you know whatever those factors are yeah. and then there are some people who are you know may smoke weed for years take a break go back to it whatever but i think it's about education like what you said we have to be responsible with how we educate people on it if anything i feel like what's lacking is people giving the education to educate themselves so so much of the of what i've learned and the tools and the the journey of mental health and emotional stability and all of these things has been you know learning from a lot of mistakes yeah and having to correct or overcorrect and dial it back well that's kind of like where i like I know when I get depressed, weed is not going to help me. Right. So I've had to learn that by being depressed and smoking weed and really, okay, this is not, right. this is no longer a helpful thing. This is now becoming not a problem, but it's like, okay, I need, it to, makes it worse. I need to subtract this. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's those, you know, if you can do that, if you can find how it works for you in a place, you know, that's the trick. That's what you do. Yeah. One of the things, and and I'd like to see it. I hate the gray area we're in, where it's legal but not legal federally, yeah. and so people are rotting away in jail for mm-hmm. it. And other places, people are making billions of dollars. Well, that is something that I. If it's I, hypocritical. It's hypocritical. It's not fair. It's not fair. Life is not it's, fair. It's no, but that's just like injustice. No, it's, particu- it's particularly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. This like is life thing. isn't fair, but that's unjust. You know, it's unjust. Yeah, and we live in an unjust world. I mean, that's. It, it, I mean, life is not fair, but there are certain things like, hey, we're gonna de- decriminalize yes. weed, so we should let the yes. people serving weed offense I related. Found, yes. but you know, our country doesn't work like that. In a, it, it's, it's almost as if the culture comes. If the that culture comes, comes first. first. And then righting the wrongs comes much later. But right. that's... I mean, I think it's shifting for sure. Yes, because we have the culture behind it. We ha- we're we getting right. people... Well, that's become- why they say politics are downstream of culture. Right. So you have to create the minds for the policies right. to follow. And so I don't want to be one of those girls who's just up there you know, smoking weed and I'm like, Woo-hoo! that's why I, what I do is I use my image to capture that. And then mm-hmm. I'll put some information in there and, and right. try and educate my audience because I have a platform and I don't want people to forget, Hey, we're out here in California or Colorado or on the left coast of the country. Meanwhile, there are people sitting in jail and in prison, you know, for the rest of their lives or for very long for like an eighth first for yeah. much less than what we're yeah. smoking. And so, and I think that, are there um did they decriminalize did they let people out in California when we let people out I think they're of doing their sentences I think they're doing like the records are expunged they're allowing people I think they did release people on like weed charges or whatever mm-hmm. and offering um your records I don't know to be what expunged the, or whatnot It's something that I it you know it's one of those causes that I feel passionate about yeah. I feel like I could get behind writing helping 
create the mindset and writing policies and getting I mean, honestly, into it. People message me all the time. They're like, how do I get involved? Like, I feel like I'm in, I'm in Kentucky or I'm Are wherever. there organizations? There yeah. Um, when I was in college, like I was always very fast. Like you asked me how I got into weed and never like finished, but I, I, I was in college and I was studying social movements in a class uh. and I, I chose to study normal. Oh. The, which is the national organization for reform marijuana laws okay and this was like 10 years ago or like 2011 yeah so, almost 10 yeah and i i i was like okay i'm gonna study something that i'm interested in and i studied all about the movement and how it got started and it's truly a grassroots organization mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just all of the just all the shit that they went through just to be kind of taken seriously, yeah. but they laid the groundwork for everything that's happening. Oh now. yeah, they definitely and did. That's what takes for change. It takes time. It takes years and dedication and people who are truly committed to seeing change happen long after they die. Exactly. You probably it's not for you. It. Yeah. It's for generations to come. Right. And so you, it starts with action mm-hmm. and it starts with just one person waking up deciding okay if i don't if i live in a state like kentucky or wherever somewhere in the south where it's like deeply illegal you start the group there's mm-hmm. no nothing illegal with organizing it's our right, right. Mm-hmm. so you start you create the hype you gather you organize you talk with like-minded people you create the conversation with people who disagree there's no harm in conversation right. it all starts with educating people right and that's the thing is like with my parents' generation, which is weird because they were the the number they were the consuming hippies. when it was cool to consume. Yeah. And now a lot of them are very against it because of the propaganda from the war on drugs. And and understandably, because there are, you know, it's it's a drug epidemic in our country. People are dying massive amounts of, of course. rates of opioid addiction and whatnot. And, you know, it's an education thing. We're just not having these conversations about drugs the way that we should and so it's so ironic that the generation after the dare is like dying of the war of, but that's uh, but like, that's what i'm saying that's the power of media the power of marketing you can have a, mar- a successful marketing campaign against anything yeah as long as you're marketing it yeah but it doesn't matter yeah so <laughs> i mean so basically uh, they're realizing that this because it's becoming like trendy again and they're finding ways to market to this older generation of making weed glamorous. Yeah, they're <laughs> like, doing a good job of it. And the boomers are loving it. Well, I mean, but also they're the ones who are getting the cancers and yeah. getting, and they're the ones who are great. sick. And in the pharmaceutical industry, you know, loves to take advantage of these people. And so CBD and cannabis are becoming popular amongst that group again. Right. So, yeah, no, that's I mean, and I actually I've had enough friends with cancer who have found so much relief with this is where the medicine aspect of weed is. So well, they're saying it's curing can- it's fighting cancer cell CBD. And there's so many different um, aspects of the plant and components that we don't even know yet because we haven't been able to study it. Mm-hmm. And if that is what it was meant for is like killing cancer or whatever, you know, then who knew we were smoking so much weed to find that out you know it's so different now though the weed than from when it was when i was yeah. a kid i mean it's, it's completely very strongly different it's very strong and now. it's there i'm like i always joke i'm old enough to remember weed with seeds it's yeah it's, i mean there's some weed that still has seeds like i had some the other day and i was like ooh. um but i will on a very real level say that like just last week when i was in florida um my friend her boyfriend took a hit of a pen and it made him pass out whoa so 
I don't know if there was other like, he's like on pass out like pass he like, out or like, like he fall took asleep. A, no, like he hit like, it and like five to ten minutes later he like had a panic attack and passed out. Whoa. So I don't know if it I don't want to say it was because of the weed because I don't yeah, know yeah. whatever he else he ate that day or whatnot. But I also know that this was the second time he had a negative reaction to weed. Yeah. So those dosets and stuff like that are you what's it who knows how much I mean what's it's it just crazy. goes back to the point of you gotta just figure out and in a responsible way find what works for you yeah and just we're guinea pigs you know yeah i mean honestly that's why i really like sobriety well it's funny because i don't need to like mess with any of that i mean you you i go i worked in dispensaries i was a bud tender and it's just the questions we get are the same questions that pharmacists get of course and and doctors yeah right and i have no medical degree i'm my own guinea pig i don't know of course you know i don't have and you don't know even with like a gummy how every gummy is different i know this is going to change like in the future you're going to have to go to school to become a like you're going to have to become yeah something they're gonna have to it's gonna be different and they're gonna look back and be like i can't believe they just let timmy off the street sell drugs to to i mean even when i was in the industry up north and i would always i would just die laughing because there would be all these little kids running around and we'd be trimming and there'd be like (laughs) this little kid would be like they'd be like oh don't come in here it's like the grown-up medicine and i would just die laughing at how in so many ways we've we've we brain that's how we streamlined weed into the culture was being like it's medicine it's medicine and 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 it is medicinal i mean there is there are medicinal yeah but you don't see people but talking about not, preparation h or like any other like medicine it, like that like it's almost like a you don't see people talking about like well you know what else is i mean it's imagine if we did that with codeine or with like even alcohol imagine if you were like it's medicine it takes away your anxiety you know there is a culture behind that well i mean all advertising yeah (laughs) there is but you know the one you've seen the you've seen the the memes the wine and the the, the funny wine and meme uh alcohol makes me wine makes me so sick so well my cousin went to uh it was like a drug class drug and alcohol addiction and her teacher was saying that if alcohol was if they tried to get alcohol, especially hard alcohol in the market today, it would never get on the market because your body instantly treats it like poison. The it minute is. You ingest it. You are poisoning yourself and does everything that it can to get rid of it. So all the resources in your body go to getting rid of this toxic thing that you just put inside it of it really messes with my depression. Oh, yeah. It's a depressant. I <laughs> which is weird because people ask me about, you know, because weed's a de- depressed you know it's a downer mm-hmm. if you will um, I, I don't find modern weed to be a downer anymore yeah but you're right it made me racy really oh. you're probably smoking sativa though you know it there's was, different strains oh yeah of and course like of that. course but it, again it affects everyone differently mm-hmm. i mean even if it's a sativa it could put you out like yeah it yeah make you fall asleep yeah i mean it's an industry it's a one of those industries in our lifetime that we really get to see you know become in our lifetime right yeah. like it, alcohol already existed when we were yeah. born and you know technology and cannabis are really just i wonder um, if we'll go through like the prohibition phase with weed you know how you're saying there will be like a backlash when everybody oh, you, in oh, america is like stoned? Fe- when they're like federal like it's federally like in the future 20 years in the future it's federally right. legal and then all of a sudden like something there, on a massive there's level like, there's like you know exa- like schizophrenia breakout or right. like whatever and they're like this is weed and they try and take it off the market i mean but here's the thing massive amounts of people have been consuming weed for generations oh yeah and if there was something like that 
to worry about in like a grand scale, I feel like we would hear about yeah, it. Yeah, but that wasn't why they started trying to get alcohol. You know, it, it was it was basically like I think what I think it was an epidemic well, of Well, either I feel alcoholism. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like if anything we'll see education. I would hope to see like more education, how to talk to your kids responsibly about weed. It's so weird. I knew when I, w- when I was in my 20s in ni- 1920, I wrote this thing about my stupid goddamn generation and all the things I knew all of this. I knew that there would be a weird intersection of technology and weed and mental health and pharmaceuticals and all of the and the environment, the environmental crises that we're going to deal. I saw the writing on the wall and it's it's such a I would I'm just happy we don't live in a boring time. I think we're going to see like what's happening with like the entertainment industry and politics happen in weed where like we're just going to find out all the ne- the negative nasty side effects or like things that like, I mean, I you could, know how I like the cigarette, <laughs> how like the cigarette, how we like when cigarettes first came out, people didn't realize how bad it was. Well, right? it's like you and I were talking about the environmental impact right. that weed and has we'll ha- we'll have- when all these stoners will be like. I care about the environment. Peace I'm like, love. yeah, quit smoking weed. Yeah. You really care about the environment? Quit smoking weed because that shit is, I've never seen a more wasteful industry. Uh, That's why the packaging more drought in California is because of the weed industry. Yeah. I mean, I will say the packaging has gotten ridiculous. Like I will, I All won't the even plastic. I won't even. Well, here's, here's what happened is before it became recreationally legal, you know, the, it, the in the world it, back in the day, like, you know, when it was like mom and pop companies could yeah. exist and things like that. And you could just walk out with a bag of weed. Yeah. And they weren't killing, you know, and yeah. like, like it was small marketing and, exactly. and, like and it just stickers. Exactly. And- like it would there it, to get into the weed industry now. It's not it'll never be the same. No. It's you're seeing big pharma and big tobacco it's and big, be big alcohol weed. taking over i mean those are the people who are getting into it yeah you're gonna have monsanto weed yeah you're gonna have weed that is using the same pesticides on our fruits and veggies on our cannabis and you're gonna be composting it yeah and we don't have the long-term effects of that i mean we know that we're getting sick in mat in one in three people get cancer nowadays whereas yeah. years ago what it, it was like one in eight or whatever the statistic mm-hmm. was so what your weed was 10 years ago or five years ago is not what it is now. Mm -hmm. And exactly what you said. I mean, you have to realize like you have to know where you're spending your money. Who is is the owner of that dispensary or who is the owner of that company who, you know, so uh, I still shop at illegal shops. Yeah, I do. I support mom and pop brands. Yeah. And am I a hypocrite? Maybe, but I would rather support the mom and pop. It's impossible to live in this world and not be a hypocrite. I so mean, you can't we're you can't be a consumer. You're, you cannot be an American and be and not be a hypocrite. I mean, that's <laughs> you I, just can't. I'm comfortable with it. Yeah. I am not to be perfect. I no. was never going to be perfect. I'm not here to please everyone. I'm just here to live my life and try and be happy and that's my full-time job. And you know, and I and try not to hurt others and make people laugh. Yeah. And and that's all honestly I don't care. <laughs> I don't want I don't care if I offend you unless I care about you but yeah I mean that's it's that's just that's the world we live in so when what's the biggest what's the biggest resistance internally that you have to overcome on a daily basis and work against Ooh, like your biggest defect of yeah, character yeah. I mean just 
convincing myself I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't take care of ourselves as much as we should probably mentally. I think that there's so much we put on the focus of others and what other people are doing. And there's not a lot of internal work that is required. I was just having this conversation with someone. And that should be your job. Yeah. As a, as a, as a person in this world, it's a full-time job to work on yourself and to grow and to be open and to change and to just shift with life. Yeah. And we're just, I think, especially when you're doing something like comedy and working in the entertainment industry and putting yourself out there and being a public figure and, you know, you hold a mirror up to people. Yeah. And it's not for this world. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah. It's, and (laughs) that's the disservice we do to like high school kids and middle schoolers. We shelter even in public schools, you know, you're not having these real conversations that the world does not care about you. No, it doesn't. You have to care about you. Exactly. And you have to care about the world. The world. Exactly. And that's the thing is like, you get what you give and we're all given different cards and that is the trick is to just figure out yeah. how to work with personal them. responsibility. And, and, the, and that's my biggest struggle is one living in the world today mm-hmm. and being okay with myself mm-hmm. and realizing that I'm good enough. Yeah. As is. That was, I was just having this conversation today with a friend who's struggling and he was saying that, you know, he's like, I just want validation. It's normal. And I said, my, I feel my job every day is to work against that. My job every day is to not, I try to, every morning I have a very simple prayer. And it's just, God, how can I remember to look at what I can give instead of ask what I can get? And right. that is it. Because it's, it changes my whole day, every day. And the days that I don't ask that question first thing, what can when I'm not saying what can I give instead of focus on what I want? Yeah, it it's a be, it becomes a very self absorbed world, and right. everything reaffirms that self absorption. And I think getting out of, for me, getting out of my own way is constantly remembering. You know, call three people and see how they're doing. Right. Instead of focusing on how I'm doing and what's going wrong in my life. Yeah, I But I didn't get agree. any of these tools. Yeah. I they they're things I've been given in programs, they're things I've picked up in rehabs. I mean, I I don't think people should have to learn these things by default. Right. It would be nice if we could teach, you know, maybe this is where people like you and me who had to learn all of this stuff the hard way in terms of coping skills right. for the new technologically pharmaceutical hyper speed generation for how to cope like how to take care of yourself and 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 your mental health because you don't have anything without it yeah and it's a process there's no one right way what works for others may not work for you yeah and to just be brave enough to kind of stick around and stick out through the good and the bad and just you know, you have to laugh at the world we live in. Oh, I mean, if you're having a bad moment, even if like something's happening online where people are attacking you, like just wait it out, bro. Yeah. Next, tomorrow, it's going to be someone else. Yep. Not even tomorrow. Six hours six later. Six hours. Yeah. And it's always going to be worse. Yeah. And as long as you remember that it doesn't matter what those people think, 
doesn't matter what anyone out there thinks. How do you feel about yourself? You know, and if you, and it's important to surround yourself with people who add to your life. And that's another thing that they don't teach you is the importance of just a support system. Right. Not everyone comes from a good family. No. Nope. And even if they come from a good family, you know, monetary, you know, financially, you could be lacking in like spiritual, exact yeah. spiritual, mental or whatever. And we all struggle, whatever your demographic, you know, gender, whatever it is, you just got to, your responsibility is to take care of yourself in a sense of if you are okay, you can help others. Right. And a we are here man. to serve. I think Gandhi said that a drowning man can't save others. You can't. Yep. And until, and it's the whole, put the mask on. And first, if you so. are in a position, a privileged position, meaning not necessarily financially, but if you are in a place where you are in a good place in your life, no matter, you know, mentally, yeah. whatever it is your service to extend that to others. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to. Yeah. But, it's a tool. Yeah. So I always end with the same question. What's your greatest asset? My sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just the ability to laugh. Yeah. I, it's, it's, almost, it's just second nature. I mean, literally, like I, I, it is without like, I, I, I'm finding the fun. I'm like, how do I, find you know, yeah. and that is my coping mechanism. It's better than any drug, any weed strain, any person, anything is just the ability to laugh. Mm -hmm. You got, it's a release that you don't have to pay for. Yeah. You know, and, and no one can take that from me. Yeah. So that's my power. And just a laugh, you know, my laughter, my humor, that's, what's going to get me through this. Yeah. Yep. And hopefully maybe someone else. I love that. Well, where can we find you? Ooh, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at the dispensary. <laughs> uh, no, at uh, at Wolfie Comedy and at Wolfie Memes for those who are not triggered by cannabis content. I do push a lot of it out. She's a um, meme queen. I do. I, She's I, the, the marijuana my, meme queen. It's my way of normalizing it. But I think you have caused me to kind of take a step back and think about what harm am I causing mm. in a sense because I do need to be responsible with the information I'm putting out there. Oh. So, well, thank you for coming on for and we'll me. follow you. Yeah. Wolfie comedy. And Wait. I thought, you, I thought Bridget Fetisy was cool before Joe Rogan did. So. Yeah. Rachel came up with that. That was her, her little, she basically tweeted it at me when somebody posted a clip of Joe drop, like quoting a joke of mine. And then some t-shirt company that follows me love it they saw it and said hey can we turn this into a t-shirt and we'll give you 10 percent." and i was like i don't i don't need the like ten dollars or whatever and i was like does this mean i made it and someone goes only if you sell any and today they're like well we've sold one <laughs> so i'm like i guess i haven't made it yet it's probably one of your ex-boyfriends no it's just some random person who follows me so i'm like okay i guess i've still got a long way to go since i've love only it. sold one rachel needs to buy one though, i'm going to hers um, okay, cool. We'll find you. All right. Thanks Bye. for having me. It's time for the weekly check-in with Bridget and Cousin Maggie. <laughs> this is Bridget on Detox. <laughs> Day four? Day four. Detoxing from Twitter. Shut My up, Maggie. <laughs> it's not as easy as it looks. It's been hitting you hard. Real I feel like a newcomer. I was at an AA meeting today and I was like, wow, I feel like a newcomer. I was like, I hate these meetings and I hate everybody here and everybody's so long winded and boring. 
If you can't say it in 280 characters, don't say I it. don't want to hear it. It's so just like blah, blah, blah. No oh. one's witty or snarky. No one's piling on or dragging me. <laughs> I mean, on the walk, you were saying, on our walk, you were saying that quitting Twitter might drive you to drink. It might. I have to watch out for that. I'm definitely like in that I'm reaching out for other fixes, fixes like sex and you know, I want drugs. Last night I was out dancing and I was like, alcohol sounds great. Oh, God. Speaking tweets, people. <laughs> <laughs> I need everyone to speak to me only in tweets. All right. So wait, tell your cheese story because that's pretty funny, too. Well, I wrote about it. But for the people who don't subscribe to my Patreon. You didn't finish it, though. You didn't it'll be up it. by okay. the time. Oh, that's true. This All goes right. live. Um, for the people who don't subscribe to my luxurious Patreon where I'm live journaling my mental breakdown, I went to day two of my detox. I went and saw my chiropractor act like he does. He's basically like a sports physical therapist and he's saved my life over the last 10 years with all my sports related injuries and teaching related injuries. And being a dumbass related injuries. And <laughs> and he was telling me that I was I was telling him about how I was tech cleansing. Uh-huh. And he was laughing at me because pretty much every time I go in there, we end up talking about Twitter. So he knows I have a serious addiction. And he said, eat cheese, which is hilarious because the night before I was in charge of getting food for my women's meeting. And I bought $50 worth of cheese and they were all making fun of me. And I was eating so much cheese. And I was like, what's wrong with you, Bridget? I've never seen you eat this much cheese in my life. It's hilarious. You bought $50 worth of cheese to an AA meeting. Well, because we normally have like some cheese and crackers. But I mean, I acted like I was having a cocktail party for like 100 people. a lot of cheese. I know. And they were all like, whoa, bridge, nice spread. What's going on? And I just sat and I normally sit in the back of the meeting and I sat right by the food and just ate cheese through the whole meeting and hated everyone and felt like a newcomer in that meeting, too. And um, then the next day he said, eat cheese. And apparently cheese stimulates those same dopamine receptors. And it's something he told me that he has like a tech addiction, too. And he keeps a block of Parmigiano in his refrigerator at work. Wow. Yeah, and I did a whole, I found studies about it. It's not, it's a science-backed fact. (laughs) Science-based fact. It's just funny you experienced the craving and were like, I was like, my body already knew. Pounding cheese, just downing it. I just, right now, before we did this check-in, I ate a quarter of a freaking thing of brie. (laughs) I'm going to be a lard boat. My friend, the other day we were talking and he was like, you just replaced your one addiction. You're just going to be a chubby, cheese-eating <laughs> pornographer by the time this is over. Because I was telling him that I was now, of course, reaching for, like, porn and reaching for, yeah, I'm just. Yep, you have an addictive personality. Yeah, and it's like whack-a-mole. The minute you try and quash one, all the other ones rear their ugly head. And I didn't realize how much twitter was taking the edge off my alcoholism yeah that's interesting like i haven't really craved booze and it comes out like probably since the fourth of july was the last time i really had like a 
physical craving for booze. And last night I was like, oh, that whiskey smells so good. Well, it's also been, I mean, it's been really windy and you hate the wind and it stirs you up and you get like all wild and crazy in March anyway. I mean, yeah, this time of year, generally the seasonal transition, I'm very sensitive little snowflake to it. But yes, I mean, but Marge, I always go insane. I get the worst spring fever. I don't know why I decided to do this. I feel like an idiot, an idiot. But sometimes I just think I like to torture myself. It's the Catholic schoolgirl in you. It's got to be good, though, at some point. I mean, I mean, the fact that it's this bad of a detox shows me that it's a really serious problem. Right. And I am in day four, which is like the I always think like. I feel like the first day is the worst and then the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth <laughs> days come. <laughs> they all suck. And they're too. all worse. Yeah. <laughs> like for today is worse and I had it today is pretty bad. I thought honestly thought you were just gonna count to forty right there. <laughs> <laughs> And then somebody told me that it's actually 46 days, which was devastating. You only have to do 40 days. We've lent 40 days. Whatever. No, I have to go till Easter. That's the deal. Oh, I thought it was. I thought Lent is 40 days. Christ has died. Christ has <laughs> Do you want to tell your church story too? <laughs> Christ will come again. That's when I get to tweet. You never know what you're going to get <laughs> on these check-ins. They don't sing that song at church anymore. <laughs> they have some new fangled version. Every church is trying to be like fucking Disney with their little song and dance trying to attract the youngins. Give me the old school creepy stuff. Like, I want my mass in Latin. I want my mass in creepy. Um, I went to Ash Wednesday mass and... A lot of people probably read this story already if they're fans, but they what I I what I said on part two and neglected to say on part one of my diary of a Twitter junkie is at the mass he held up his phone at the pulpit and was saying the Lent priest. the yeah, he's a monsignor, technically. Monsignor. Mon Mon Monsignor. <laughs> I know nothing about Catholicism. <laughs> hey, at least you went to church. <laughs> I know nothing. I kept calling it a frock, and everyone's like, I think it's a cassock. And I was like, I don't know smock what or a is. frock or whatever <laughs> the fuck it is. His robes. And His people vestments. Were and people were telling called. me that I could take um, Sundays off. Yeah, no, you can't take Sundays off. Technically, <laughs> I'm allowed to break the fast tomorrow. You're t- not, not, no, you can't because I've got your password. <laughs> and I'm not giving it to you. And so then he held up his phone and he said, Monsignor, Monsignor, what's his name? I can't remember. He said, I'm so tired. I feel brain dead. That's the other thing. I think I am like deep experiencing the physical. <laughs> I'm just wondering if you're ever going to finish this story. <laughs> Never. He held up his phone at the pulpit and said, this is the time to Lent means slow in French. And this is the time to put down the phone to slow down and put down these. And then he held up his phone. And then I looked over my aunt who was texting, which was hilarious or like emailing someone. 
Right, but then what happened after church? So then I get home that night, and I forgot to put this in part one, but it's okay. It's cliffhanger for those of you who subscribe to Patreon. You'll get to hear this story first. And I came home, and someone in my email, it said St. Monica's, and someone said, hey, you go to St. Or actually, it said whatever church. It said whatever church I go to, and it doesn't matter. It stuck me. I don't care. Um... And then it said, hey, you go to St. Monica. I recognized you because I follow you on Twitter. <laughs> he recognized you in church from Twitter. <laughs> I think it's clear God wants me to be on Twitter, obviously. Mm. No, the priest said to put down your phone. There was something else that him. was funny, and I can't remember. There have been so many funny coincidences where I'm like, God wants me to be on Twitter. He clearly wants me to be on Twitter. <laughs> and then I was talking to Art Tavana, our guest who's been on here, and it's hilarious, and I called him on day two, and he told me I was going insane. And I was like, yeah, but Twitter is where I work, and it's like my business. It's like where, you know, all my business comes from, and I meet editors. And he was like, Bridget, you're basically just a drug addict that started dealing drugs. <laughs> I was like, ooh, that stings. Yeah. <laughs> not. And then yesterday false. I was just in a, like, every everything was driving me crazy. Mm -hmm. I was just white girl on fire. Well, you've given me the responsibility of handling your Twitter account, which, you know, I'm not a social media person. A, I'm afraid I'm going to somehow fuck it up. And like, you're going to come back to all your followers being gone. I'm going to, I'm just going to laugh when I write something just so outrageous, like boys and girls are different and file it and never tell Maggie. And then Maggie gets dragged. That will be my revenge. And I also just, I don't know. I, I don't. She'll suddenly wake up and it'll be like, you're a transphobe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, ha, take that, Maggie. Yeah, but I have the ability to just kind of like close down the window and be like, whatever, it doesn't affect me. <laughs> What's hilarious is that most people still are convinced that you're the one tweeting whenever I send something out and they're like, sure, cousin Maggie, in <laughs> quotes. Like our other guest, Brian Moses, who's been on um, who's been on the podcast, if you haven't listened to his, listen to it. He texted me when he saw your tweet and he's like, you've become Thursday. It was day two at the end of the day. He said, you've become the movie Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, I'm a Tyler Durden of Twitter. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I can vouch for it because I did, in fact, change your password. So you I can't even look. I in. can't even look. It tr it triggers my brain. It tr triggers all those little receptors uh -huh. that feel like the plants in Ursula's garden is the only way I can describe <laughs> them. <laughs> I know. They're that's like, the that's the like noise I'm making. Towards. Where she's like, poor unfortunate souls, never tweet. <laughs> God, it's so embarrassing. It's embarrassing, but then I always remember the priest from Ash Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And I remember that we're destroying society with our phones. Yeah, <laughs> everyone has this problem. Yeah, it's not just me. No, it's not. And you're doing something really hard. Ugh. you got to give yourself credit. It's, I mean, the fact that it's so hard obviously should tell you something, but it it's really hard. So every time I want to go on Twitter now or even look, I do sit-ups. 
I'm gonna have like a would, fucking eight pack at the end of this saying, forty you're days. Have like the most ripped abs ever because you do sit ups every like, two Bridget, minutes. Bridget, what happened to you? <laughs> well, I quit Twitter and replaced it with doing sit ups, and my abs are rock hard. But I'm chubby on top of it because I've been eating three pounds of cheese every day. So underneath this chub, yeah, cheese chub. <laughs> I have a solid six pack. <laughs> yeah, I have a solid eight pack. I can do pack. crunches for days. I can do 280 <laughs> crunches in a minute. One for every character I can't tweet. <laughs> God, guys. God help us. May God have mercy on our souls. <laughs> oh, boy. If I'm sane by the end of this, it's going to be a miracle. You guys can be the witnesses to Bridget's slow unraveling. <laughs> it's not slow. It's been four days. True. Rapid, rapid decline. <laughs> what if I go into rehab? I'm you like could Twitter. found Twitter rehab. You could probably become a, a millionaire. Dollars. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. Tune in next week for another riveting episode that will change your life, help you get out of your own way, and solve all the world's problems. I want to thank our composer, Jared Elias, my co-producer and cousin, Maggie, and all of you out there listening. This has been Walk-In's Welcome with Bridget Fettesy. I'm Bridget Fettesy, and you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's the dumbest line. <laughs>